You're listening to the Orchard Podcast, where we talk about the recent teachings at Orchard Hill Church and how we can apply what we've been learning to our everyday lives. I'm Jonathan Rogers. I'm here today with Jeff Mickey and Dave Bartlett. How are you guys doing? Great. It's been been a while since we've been together, so thanks for being here. Um, I think I'm still kind of on this uh, American Idol high or whatever, coming down from that. My family's still been... um, you know, listening to all the songs and everything. Did you guys follow that? Was that something that uh, kind of came into your household? I did. I followed just the last two nights. Yeah. Just the last two nights. Yeah. Uh, my wife g- got really interested. My entire family did. So then I kind of followed. Yeah, it's been fun. Did you guys? We uh, we didn't watch much of the show, but as we learned that Maddie Poppy was making her way through, we paid attention yeah. more to what was happening. And then uh, we had a board meeting. <laughs> On Monday night uh, during the finale. And <laughs> so I was uh, watching Carter Moore's live Instagram <laughs> cast, like, whatever it's, like it's called. Tweet, yeah. like live tweeting the, the show or something? And I was watching it with with it muted, and I saw all these people cheering wildly. Uh, and so I had to text him and say, did she win? And, and that was when she had made it into the top two. So okay. I said, well, be sure to text me with updates. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's been fun to uh, see that kind of that orchard connection that, that yes. she has, and yes, been uh, people have been cheering for her. So it's been Great fun. Story. One, of my, one of my daughters, um, we let we let our kids stay up. You know, it was on till like ten o'clock, yeah. and our kids, you know, are bed in, by, in bed by like eight thirty. So um, one of my kids, my kindergartner, when when uh, she won, she basically just burst into like this you know tears where she couldn't control herself, <laughs> and it was like a combination of she was super tired and excited yeah. and you know just didn't really yeah. know what to do with her emotions so that was kind of fun to kind yeah. of see that yeah. so that's awesome yeah. so we're still kind of recovering from <laughs> staying up till ten thirty or whatever so all right well we are um finishing up this know your yes series um i think we have one more week left one of the questions that i um had thought about um was just your guys's journeys how you guys came into ministry um i thought maybe you could talk a little bit about that and uh um, you know, how you got into ministry in general and then how you came here to Orchard. Yeah, to- yeah. So uh, I was in teaching, Johnny. I, I was a teacher and a coach for five years, and then a ministry came to our high school called Youth for Christ, and uh, I was so impressed with the work of that ministry in the students that I was teaching and coaching that I started volunteering, and then I became a full-time staff person there. And then it's interesting how I got to Orchard uh, we, we, uh, this ministry really exploded over where I was by Dubuque in Edgewood Colesburg High School. And it really exploded. And we hired some staff. And then this church, Orchard Hill, was supporting me. And uh, I would come back and give reports. And one time I was driving away and I said to my wife, if I ever work for a church, I'd like it to be one kind of like that one. And then they called me to uh, institute a, a youth program here. Not to do it, but to give them ideas on how to do it. And uh, then I ended up being hired half-time and started the youth ministry here. And then I was hired half-time at my request so that I could work with other churches. And then it's really funny that we're sitting here because the first visitor at this new little youth group, eight kids at the Orchard Hill Youth Group, and one uh, one person brought a visitor, and that visitor was Jeff Mickey. <laughs> and two of the kids turned to each other and said, What's he doing here? <laughs> and I said, we're going to start having visitors. <laughs> Everyone is welcome. <laughs> Everyone, even Jeff. 
<laughs> so awesome. uh, then the journey for uh, about 34 years now. Yeah. Wow. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, I, um, I grew up through Young Life. I was actually living in Iowa City after college with my wife and working for the athletic department when my area director asked me to um, move to Milwaukee and replace her as the area director there. And we gave good consideration to that. And then after a trip with them, came back and my wife told me she was pregnant and we decided that that wasn't the, the best time for us to start um, down that road of of moving to a whole new area where we didn't really know anybody and, and raising support and all of that. So we ended up moving back here. I went to school uh, in school psychology and, and um, uh, really had always wanted to kind of be in counseling of some sort. And, uh, and then we got pregnant with our daughter and uh, KWL called when I was starting my second year of the, of the program and offered me a position with uh, the sports department. And so I was in TV for about four years in the media development and then a position opened up at Orchard and I happened to be on the board. So I didn't really feel it was right for me to apply <laughs> for that position. And so every month, uh, it was the college ministry position every month that somebody would report about it at the board. I just, my heart was like, man, that, that, that just sounds like a neat job. And I don't know why I was so attracted to it. And so I had decided at that point that I was going to go back to school and finish my counseling degree. I had decided actually before this position came open. And so every month I was like, should I go talk to Dave about this? And didn't do anything, didn't do anything. Finally, as the last month, they had it down to one candidate. And uh, I stood outside um, the offices and thought, right after a board meeting, after the update, and I, I probably agonized for five minutes. Do I go down and talk to Dave and say, hey, would you ever hire somebody with absolutely zero experience, but who just is really passionate or interested in this? Or should I just go home? And I decided I'd just go home hadn't told anybody about it. I'm running the next day. I'm praying about it and saying, God, I just think maybe I'm just afraid to go back to school and that I'm not wanting to take that journey. And and so if this is really you putting this desire on my heart, every time I hear about this, then you're going to have to open a door. And it was a day or two later, I was in the shower in the morning and my wife, the phone rings, my wife yells over the curtain this is Kara Vanderweel, Dave's assistant. She wants to know if you have any interest at all in the college ministry position. And I about fell over in the shower and I said, what? And she said, yeah, they said that um, they were about ready to offer it to somebody, but they thought that there was somebody in the church who, sh- who, who should have this position and your name came up. And so then I called Dave afterwards and we chatted and I met with Walt and, and Dave and, and we chatted a little bit more and then I went to an interview and and uh, that's how I ended up here. It felt very much that's that's one time in my life that I felt God was pretty clearly directing me and calling me. It's not always that clear, but but um, and I had a little bit of work to do still to get over. Once I heard what they were going to pay me, <laughs> <laughs> God needed to do a little more convincing. Yeah. Then and and uh, but He did in in very clear ways. Yeah, yeah. that's that's pretty cool. Yep. Um, so really, this idea of assignments and opportunities, knowing your yes. Do you feel like you had that um, clearly in your head when all this was going on? Do you, did you have that terminology or that framework, or do you think you were just following God's leading at that time? I don't think I had the terminology. I don't know about you, Dave. I, no. I didn't. No. I, I've, I've, uh, I've done thinking about, in the past, Johnny, about every time I say yes, it it. It means multiple no's. Mm-hmm. I've thought about that before because I, I, I've really grasped the idea that, you know, our time and our energy is limited. 
Yeah. And so I've had that, but not fully what we're teaching here. Sure. Sure. I've always had that sense of wanting to know, like, what's that thing that God wants me to say yes to? And I wouldn't have put it in the yes, but like, what's my calling? What's my, what am I designed for? And, and I think that I had a lot of uh, misconceptions about that, that there was just one thing and that, you know, I had to find that one thing and, and, um, but I don't think I would have yeah. framed it up like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brian talked to, you know, some, some about this, with this, the unique call, I think the, the general call, the unique call and, um, the immediate call, I think were the, the three that he talked about. Um, do you think, do you find that people get caught up more in that unique call and really trying to find that versus the general call? Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was a good question for you to think about Johnny. The, I, yeah. When people come into my office, very seldom are they asking about the general call. Who does God want me to be? What kind of a person does God want me to be? Almost always it's more questions about the unique call. Mm, yeah. You know, should I be a student or should I go into the army or should I go into ministry or business? You know, it's that unique call gets more attention. Right. And I I, I, I think what Brian was saying, don't forget the general call. Right. This is the kind of person that God wants you to be first and foremost. Right. And then after that... Then, and I agree with what Jeff just said, uh, generally, I found in my life, in lots of other people's lives, that uh, God may give us a choice. He may say, it's okay with me. If you're my man, be in business or ministry. You know, what's important is be my man. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even when I have made mistakes about that or not included God in some of the decision-making or even asking him about the next unique call or, or what that is, God has been with me in it and, and has helped get me corrected very graciously, yeah. I would say. And so I think we, we can get almost uh, too worked up sometimes about that. I think it's important to be including God, obviously, in the, in the questions and in the, in the discussion and conversation. Um, but God's, God's going to keep you uh, if, you're, if you're open to his leading He's going to keep you on a path. Right, right. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Brian said something like he, he thinks that we know 90% of what God's call is for us. And it's really that 10% that we kind of focus on yes. most. Right. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and it is. I think it's freeing when you, when you kind of think of it in that um, way that God doesn't necessarily care. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe he does, but he doesn't necessarily care what I choose to do. It's how I, how I do it maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. I think that's, that's freeing if, if I have more choice and I'm not like find, trying to find that perfect thing that God is calling me to. Exactly. There's not just one. Right. I, I've been convinced of that for a long time. And then the other part, uh, the immediate calling. Yeah. I think that's freeing too, Johnny. Yes. For you to get up this morning and as the father of five, yep. I mean, you know a lot of your call. It's like get your kids dressed, get them off to school. Right. That is your call. Right. Mm-hmm. Be, and that immediate call, when, when we did that study that Brian took that from, that was one of the more helpful pieces to me, yeah. that there's a lot of God's will, I already know, just because of what's in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's easy to, when you know that, it's easy to go ahead and um, take care of somebody that's sick, you know, a family member, or, you know, yes. to, to do something that's right in front of you because you know, okay, this is my immediate call, and it kind of supersedes everything else. All of exactly. A sudden. Exactly. So I thought that was an interesting um, thing. So what about that question? Do you think God does c- care what um, your career is? Uh, I threw out the I was throwing out the idea. What if, what if it's a 
uh, morally questionable um, career that I'm in? Does God care about that? Or what if there are some things that my the company I work for does that that I don't necessarily agree with, or I don't think God agrees with? What do you? How, where do you land on that? I know that's kind of a tough yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's good. It's, it's a great question, Johnny. Cause you know, again, people come into my office and ask about this. Yeah. Like I'm working for this company and this company does X, Y, and Z. And I don't agree with X, Y, and Z. What do I do? Yeah. Well, um, uh, my, my dividing line has mostly been if it, it uh, don't have an oversensitive conscience, but if it does, if you're asked to do something that's against your conscience, then you have to throw up question marks. But the flip side of that is we live in a broken world and God wants us to be salt and light in this broken world. So um, I, before what I was saying like, uh, let's say I need a job and I need to feed my family and the only job that's open right now is at the casino and I'm not a big gambler and I would vote against gambling. But would I still go there do the job, um, do it as well as I can, and then support my family. I, I think there are places where we have to do that, and lots of the businesses we work for are going to do things that aren't exactly how I think they should be. Mm-hmm. And so, But the way I would map it is I need to be salt and light, as positive as I can, in those uh, situations. And then you push back and said, <laughs> well, are there any lines, yeah. you know? Would you would you work for a strip club? You right. know, no. Uh, let me just say that I no. wouldn't either. <laughs> yes. Right, but there are lines. But but we are called to serve in a broken world. Right. So it's not black and white. Right. But there are certain things. I mean, maybe it, it gets to uh, um, uh, a point where you say no. Right. You say this is my line. Exactly. And that line might be different for different people. Yeah. Right. Because I'm guessing if we talk to a different pastor or a different church, they would have a, maybe a different answer, right? And, I'm sure that they would, yeah. Right. And, I, and I think it's, uh, I don't want to get into treacherous of water, but, <laughs> but I would ask... the conversation. Right, but I'd have the question, you know, who gets to decide what is a morally uh, right job and what, right. Is, what is a morally, you know, or unethical right. career? Who gets to decide that? Because um, I think people would disagree and, you know, and, and some people would be more sensitive to what that is, you know. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not going to name specifics right. because I, I think that, that that's dangerous, but I think people have to follow their conscience. As Dave was saying, I agree with that, that, that if their conscience is causing them to ask a lot of questions, they should pay attention to those questions. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. Um, we kind of, it kind of does hit both of those unique call and the, uh, assignments. Um, when sometimes we have assignments that we have to feed our kids. We have to pay our bills. And, you know, sometimes that unique call maybe bumps up against that where you don't know, um, you don't know if, if you can keep doing that job to feed your kids, but it feels weird to keep doing it. I don't know if I'm making sense, but you, yeah. you, you um, really are. Yeah. And J- Johnny, this is a very real uh, question in our church congregation. Right. One day I was teaching on money and how, uh, you need to avoid these, um, these, uh, paycheck, uh, credit stores right yeah. and in our band that day was the manager right of a paycheck credit store and he came to me afterwards and said dave what about this yeah. you know oh that's interesting so this is not a, a mm-hmm. fabricated question this is a real question mm-hmm. right right mm-hmm. all right well um thank you i appreciate that um dave one of the things that i feel like you 
had a lot of feedback on was this whole season of life thing. Yes. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Well, Johnny, I, I hate to say this, but it actually came from you, <laughs> the whole uh, season of life idea. I, I had my outline, and then you just offhandedly said, well, Dave, it seems like season of life fits in here. Yeah. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized how real that is, that what you might need to say no to today as the dad of five uh, children, in 15 years, you could say yes. Right. Because your season of life has changed. And I have had a lot of feedback where people said, I'm actually getting more comfortable saying no today because I understand my season of life. And the other one that I've gotten a lot of feedback is people my age who have aged parents. And several came to me with tears in their eyes after the service and said, thank you, thank you. Because so much of my life is tied in walking with my mom or my dad right now. And it's okay. Hmm. So right. I, I think season of life is huge. Yeah. And I think there's sometimes actually in my season of life where I can say I maybe need to say yes to things that I wouldn't um, in your season of life. Right. You know, uh, so like the the concert, the, the American Idol concert that we, we went to. Well, I wasn't super excited to go to that, if I'm being honest. You know, it was going to be super hot and it was... We were having taken five kids and, you know, but I said, we said yes to it because it's like an experience that our kids will probably remember and they're going to remember it as a great experience. So, you know, kind of a once in a lifetime type of a thing. Yes. Well, I probably, we probably said yes to that because, you know, it's going to be something our kids remember for a long time. And you can say no to that because you don't want to go. Right. I mean, <laughs> yes. So it, it works of, both yeah, ways. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you're paying attention a little bit as a parent to your kids. Yes. Right. Like this is a yes, yes for them. Sure. Right. And, yes. and so helping them process that, which I think is, is key. I, and I, and I just, I think that in any, especially in the stage of life you're in, there's what you can fall into is your fear of missing out on something drives your decision to say yes to, to things Yeah, and, or, or the culture dictates. And I think that's what you got to be careful of because that's when, we start to make bad decisions. Yes. And uh, that's something I've heard clearly from you yeah. that you've, you've had to resist that. And, yeah. and, and there's a cost to it. Right. There's a cost to saying no to some things that you would really like to participate in. But you know that the benefits and the rewards of the yes outweigh those costs. Right. Um, I don't know if you guys got into this much as your kids were young and getting older, but how do you say yes or no to certain things that your kids are going to be involved in? Do you just... Uh, we're starting to get into this season where our oldest is just kind of starting to do like softball and piano and, you know, just a, a bunch of different things. And it's kind of taken up a bunch of nights and we still have four kids coming and it's like, wait, I don't know how we can do this, sustain this. Um, did you guys have like certain limits or things for your kids as they were getting, they were growing up? Uh, yeah, we obviously did. But I'll tell you where I really see it, Johnny, is in uh, my children raising my grandkids. Okay. Because, um... The amount of activities are more now okay. than when our kids were little. And um, so th uh, I, as I watch them make these decisions, what I'm seeing is they're asking themselves, how do we still be a family right. with all these activities going on? And how do we bound the activities so that we don't rule out what's even more important, time together, time to be a family? So, uh, and part of that can be in the activities, 
Sure. Part of it is you go to the soccer games, you go to the softball games as a family. Right. But the, you do have to uh, have a higher overview of what is it I want my family life to be rather than just saying yes to every opportunity that comes along for your kids. Right, right. And some kids have passion, and maybe your oldest daughter's like this, right. has passion for almost everything. Right. Well, and then you have to help them choose. Right. And you have to choose within, maybe they have one passion, but then you have to choose, well, am I going to, you know, let this, let the kid do like the, you know, AAU or like the, you know, the yep. really competitive stuff where you're yep. paying tons of money and they're traveling every weekend. You know, that's yeah. a tough decision too. Mm-hmm. Did you guys run into some of that? Yeah, we did. Um, and, and we had a, so we, we, first of all, we, you know, I think some of us get in the trap a little bit of, of we want our kids to experience things. And so we sign them up for things before we would know whether our kids really even want to do those things. Now, some of that is, is healthy because you want your kids to try some things before they make decisions. And put them into positions where they have to get out of their comfort zone. Yeah, and they're right. going to make some social skills and relationships and things like that. But we did we did um, decide for our family we wanted to have a one sport per season uh, kind of a rule as far as what it came to sports and and we uh, arranged music stuff that that as our kids wanted to we could do in our home which was sure. which was a big help but and I think there was only one or two times where we violated the the where one of our children were involved in two sports in in one season and and uh, and and then we went quickly back to to our rule yeah. of no, just just one per season. And so they had to make some decisions about that. And that was that was helpful for us. But as my oldest son got more involved in basketball um, and had some decent skill at it, um, we kind of gave him the opportunity, the option. Which what do you want to do now? For us, he chose to be part of of his friends staying here and didn't want to go do the, do the competitive thing. But even that, I mean, we're on the road a lot. We travel a lot. Um, you know, we go to tournaments. Some of them are overnight tournaments. You, you spend a fair amount of money. And, and I think you have to just be thoughtful about that, um, going into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, if it's something that for us, we decided he was so passionate about it and, and he had some ability in it that, that, and he had good friends around it and we had community around it. There were the benefits outweighed the costs for us. And so it was worth it we, for us. It was never, a lot of people get into the, the thought we're going to do this because our kid's going to earn a scholarship and maybe that works out for some people, but I think you have to keep the perspective when it comes to that. We had, a, we had somebody tell us when Lewis was in, our oldest was in kindergarten. He's not going off for Cedar Valley soccer. And we said, no, we're just going to do the rec because see if he even likes it before we try that and probably do the rec first grade too. And I said, well, how's he ever going to get a scholarship? I mean, kindergarten and first grade. So that, that yeah. thought is out there. Yeah. And I think you got to realize that there aren't that many sports scholarships for kids, you know, and so do it for other reasons, I think. Um, I feel like, uh, Dave, this kind of plays into that mind, the mindfulness yes. thing that you, you were kind of talking about, being mindful of yes. what you want your your kids to to be doing and what your family, what you want that to be like or what you want your life to be like. That's exactly right. Like being mindful simply means living on purpose right in this moment. Yeah. So what Jeff is saying is in that moment when you're making the decisions, live on, the, live on purpose. Mm-hmm. Think about your purposes, your grander purposes. So uh, w- whether they were saying yes or no to travel, uh, they got to be mindful of who they hope to be as families. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, Johnny, that's just a big issue um, for a, a mom and a dad to sit down and say, well, what, what's our picture of this family? Because if you don't draw your own, the culture draws it for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you and uh, I, for one, Lynn and I, we did not want to be that culturally driven family. We had a picture of what we wanted to be. So different families are going to choose different options. Mm-hmm. Yes. But the biggest key is talking about it, being mindful. Yes. And making that decision together um, with the right uh, goal in mind. Yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I was thinking about this. What? Where do you guys land um, in this in this series? The saying yes or saying no too often. Um, I know my answer. My answer is no. I, my first. My first instinct is always like, no, my wife gets frustrated at me because it's called, you know, calls me a Debbie Downer. Um, because <laughs> yeah. um, I, I kind of just gravitate towards the, that's going to be too hard. There, you know, our kids are going to get too tired, you know, and she's always the yes person. So, yeah, you know. yeah. I was thinking, Johnny, this is why you and I make a good partner. Yeah. Like I, my image in my family is grandpa always says yes. Yeah. Is it time for a snack? Yes. Is it time to go on a trip? <laughs> yes. Is it, you know, uh, my lean is definitely towards yes. And it's either yes to the whole thing or yes to a part of it. Sure. So I think I think I do have uh, a strong tendency to begin with yes, and then I'll move towards no. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not great either mm-hmm. because I find myself doing some things. Uh, but then I always build on the positive. Of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I talk in my teaching and, and just acknowledge my tendency to be a people pleaser and that that's been my makeup. And so that has led me to say yes to too many things at times and um, and for the wrong reasons, you know, to win somebody's approval or to, to maintain what I think is, you know, their positive uh, image, image of me or their thoughts of me or to earn their respect. Um, it can be a lot of different things like that. And when that's, when that's been the basis for saying yes, and I get overextended, I end up in a bad place. And so I'm working on that. And I think I'm getting healthier at being able to say no, but that's been a trap for me. What do you do in the moment to know maybe what your lean is and how to answer somebody when they're asking you if you can do something. I need to talk with my wife. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Yep. I've learned that. Yep. I've, I've learned to say that, which actually I joke, but it's, it's, it's true. It's, yeah. it's like, um, my decisions aren't about just me anymore, you know, and they're about my wife, they're about my family. And it's like, I need to check first. And before I can get back to you, I need to check. And then I need to check my calendar. And I think that's been helpful. Yep. I do some of that. And then what that also forces is you don't make the decision instantly. Yeah. So, you know, I'll check with my wife or my calendar, yep. but it also then gives me time yes. to really right. evaluate and be mindful, yep. uh, especially with my tendency to want to say yes to as many opportunities. I need to be mindful and my mindfulness really draws me back to more no's. Yeah. But that initial reply can buy you some time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or just to think about it, I yes. think is good. So it's almost like having that in your back pocket of, you know, what you're going to say to give yourself some time. Yes. So yes. Maybe if it's, yeah, I talk to my wife or I yeah. check my calendar, those yeah. types of things. It's just helpful to have that almost like a tool ready to just use. Yep. Right. And I thought it was kind of, uh, I thought I liked Alice's, um, you know, the no, the guilt free no that yeah. she was talking about where you just say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that right now. Yeah. I thought that was, refreshing yeah and i think sometimes if you know 
if you know your why and you know your who and you know your what, um, some answers to of no can come pretty, pretty quick, easily yes. and pretty quickly. Right. And so remembering that, you know, but but there's a lot of things that can fit into your why and your who as well. So yeah, having Chair, that in your back pocket. Chair Vanderweel is my administrative partner. And um, she said it's really easy to say no when you have something else you're committed to. No, I'm already committed that evening. It's really harder to say no. That's an evening we're wasting time at home. Yeah. Uh, huh. And so, but you need to still be able to do that. Yeah. And you don't have to explain the why, but in your mind you're thinking uh, that wasting time at home or just leisuring at home is a commitment already. Yeah. And. Um, I want to talk about this idea of kind of dying to your yourself a little bit. Um, Kurt kind of brought this up in his teaching. The the, the rhythm of life is really death first and mm-hmm. then life. Um, and I, I've noticed that, that I really have to die to myself and my wants and desires um, to, to know what my yes and my no is. Uh, so I don't know, Jeff, do you want to talk about that a little bit of what, what that looks like in a sure. more apical way? Yeah, well, and and so Kurt Vanderbilt taught on it. For those maybe who didn't didn't hear his teaching, he, he talked about it's 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 part of the the design of nature, God's design and creation that there's evening and then there's morning and that's the first day. And we as people tend to think that live 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 and and live life to the full and then we die. And and instead, it's you no know, die to yourself first and then you'll experience life. And so, what does it mean to die to yourself? Right. So. Um, yeah, I think that that's that that's a great question. I think you know, listening to Kurt's teaching inspired me to think a little bit about it because I really resonate when he said, you know, the thing that I do when I get up is I I just want to grab a granola bar and head out the door and get about my day. And it's like that's so much who I am and 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 what I am. And I think part of it, what he's saying, is to pause first and to give that part of his day to God and to surrender his plans as far as, um, and his, you know, for the day to say, God, I have these plans, but, but I need to lay them out before you because you may have other plans and you may have something different for me today. And I want to, I want to surrender this to you. And, and I think that's part of what it looks like to, to die and say, I'm not going to try to control and make all my stuff happen, but God, I want to be open to what you want to use this day for. That's a really hard thing to do. And I think there's different ways to accomplish that. I don't think it's any one set way. Kurt happens to meditate. I think sometimes it's just a matter of just even sitting still for a second and, and talking to God about it and giving you some space to listen for, for an answer or, um, reading scripture, whatever that looks like, it can be different. And I even would back up and say, um, the night before, you know, Kurt was talking about that. How do you think about it even the night before when you're going to sleep? Um, do I, and this is something I'm horrible at. You guys always (laughs) give me a hard time about, man, he stays up late, Mm -hmm. but I think to think about how would I get to bed earlier so that I could actually die to myself and start the day fresher and and ready to take it on. Mm -hmm. Give me thoughts on that, Dave. Well, the verse that comes to my mind, which is a little bit unrelated, but really quite related, are those who lose their life for my sake. And that's that surrendering in the morning. They'll find it. Those who keep their lives and try to make their goals happen, they actually lose life. Mm -hmm. And that's a principle I whisper to myself over and over again. Because as we li- do that in the morning and then go live our lives, it feels like we're just pouring ourselves out. Yeah. And like, am I actually getting anywhere for myself? Yeah. 
And well, the answer is in the kingdom. That's how it works. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's just a morning thing. I think it's a, an ongoing deal. And, and some people, you know, for me, I'm not a morning person. So for me to, to try to meditate in the morning or try to do something in the morning, I mean, I'll fall asleep. Yeah. So yeah, if you'd get to bed early, you wouldn't have that problem. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> but but I but I so I but I think it just it's an ongoing like throughout the day like just just engaging and, and saying okay, my am I mindful again the mindfulness am I mindful of what God's doing with this moment or am I trying to push something of my own? And a lot of times it's actually it'll be obvious. It's like why am I getting so frustrated? Am I, and if I would just slow down a step back, I'd realize I'm maybe pushing something that. I shouldn't be pushing right now. I should let go of and and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've been, as we've been talking about this, I've been thinking about um, the last few years in my life where I feel like I've died to myself quite a bit. But what I've what I've done is I've almost picked up my kids or my wife's um, wants or desires and tried to make them happen instead of um, dying to myself for God's kingdom. Um, and, and that has been, you know, I've lost a lot of, I feel like life in, in that because you can never, you're not re, re, refueling, refreshing, um, letting God do that for you. You're trying to make other people happy. Kind of goes back to that. Um, so there's something in there, I feel like too, where you can try to please other people or help them um, succeed, but it's not necessarily, it might be what God wants you to do, but it's not necessarily just his um I don't know, his plan or his, his mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. So anyway. That's subtle, Johnny. Yeah. You know, that line between part of losing my life is serving others. Yes. But serving them in God's way. Right. Or yeah. with the, the right mindset. The right mindset. The right, yeah. Yep. Um, coming at it from the right angle. Or if I just picked up a new identity of I'm going to be the best husband, the great, you know, the or right. whatever, you know, it's like, and, and now I'm serving some new uh goal of mine it is subtle it's it's a challenge um kurt did talk a lot about the the rhythms of life um so how do we make decisions to kind of live into those rhythms um on a, on a daily basis does that make sense yeah yeah it does uh uh, some of what Kurt was sharing is in a book uh, that we had both read several times. And it's the idea of find a way to take a five-minute break, uh, you know, once a half a day. Find a way to take a 15, 20-minute refreshment break per day. Find a way to have a refreshment break weekly and monthly and even annually. That that's part of that rhythm. That I need to find those things that give me life. Uh, I shouldn't go a whole five hours without like a walk in the hall that gives me life for a minute. And so I shouldn't walk past these flowers this spring or the beauty of a spring day without taking a five minute. I'm going to take a breath and enjoy this and get just a touch refreshed. So that's what when you ask rhythm, rhythm, that's what I think about. Uh, Because I have things I do annually, too, that are very important to the rhythm of my life overall. Like Mm -hmm. Lynn and I usually go to the mountains. And just spend some time there. And that's an important annual rhythm, which nobody, I, I, I didn't know that until after I had done it for like five or six years. And then I realized, wow, this has significance. This keeps me centered. 
Do you have anything? Well, I think I'd uh, tip my hand probably on the next series, but yeah, that's what I was, I was, that's what I was going to say. This, yeah. only, this really leads us yeah. into the it, next it, series. It does. I think, um, you know, I think a lot of us are, are losing rhythms and losing patterns. Um, you know, uh, so like the, the pattern that, that one of the patterns that Kurt talked about is this whole idea of seven and like, you know, six days of creation on the seventh day, God, God rested. And then there's other patterns of seven and those sorts of things. But I think this whole idea of, of the Sabbath and a weekly time to rest, um, I, where is, where does that happen in our world today? I mean, our, our, our margins have been pushed to where there really isn't any margin left. I don't have a day to, to just rest. And I think um, that's something that we need to consider. How does a weekly, what would a weekly time of just rest look like? What would that even, what would that even mean to us? But I do think God designed us with limits um, and, and we aren't meant to run past those limits constantly. Obviously there's times when you're going to, you know, you're going to go over, but, but how would we take advantage of this gift of Sabbath that he's given us this gift of rest? I think that's a rhythm for us uh, that we're going to be paying attention to over the next few weeks in our next series. Yeah. And so when we make that a priority, it helps us to know what to say yes or no to, right? Um, if we're making the, the rest of the Sabbath a priority. Absolutely. And, and, and it, it, again, it reminds you that you have some limits. And so that alone helps you to think I've got to say no to some things because I can't do everything. And, and it also, it also refreshes you for those assignments that you do have. Like you're talking about, it's like, it's easy, it's easy to get run down by serving somebody else, you know, but if I have a day of rest built in, we have a day of rest built in, I can get, get, get re-inspired um, by that. And Dave's talking about the rhythm even throughout the day. I, I think that there is, you read any, any of the productivity uh, material that's out there today it supports this biblical framework of rest and, and throughout the day and throughout the week. So yeah, it's good stuff. Well, I'm excited for this next series. I'm excited for, um, doing it in the summer. Uh, you know, when we're, we want to rest, but all of a sudden our schedules get filled up and you know, we're doing all kinds of other things. So I'm excited for it. Thank you guys for, for being here. I think we'll, we'll leave it there. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Johnny. Thanks, Johnny.